This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. What began as an online bookseller is now the world's biggest internet-based company, Amazon. It's a doorway to a truly global marketplace. Supporters hail Amazon as a boon for Main Street companies, allowing the little guy to compete with the big boys. But not so fast. Exorbitant fees and practices that critics label anti-competitive might make Amazon a detriment. So, in the midst of this historic shift in how we buy and sell, we debate this question. Is Amazon good for small business? Hi, everybody. Well, get ready for a debate about an enterprise that is most likely part of your life, Amazon. Amazon is sort of everywhere. It has definitely changed the way we shop. It has changed what we expect from the retail experience. It's even changed what we mean by speedy delivery, a whole new retail landscape that came in sort of at one swipe. But what is happening behind that swipe? Well, that's where it gets interesting, especially when it comes to small business whether Amazon ultimately helps or hurts the little guy trying to make a go of it in business, that's what we're here to debate. I'm John Donvan, and this is Intelligence Squared. Okay, everybody, now you have a duty to perform here in this program. We want you to act as judges of this debate, to tell us which side you feel has argued the best. We're going to do that by asking you to cast a vote on our motion, Amazon is good for small business, before you've even heard the arguments. And then we're going to ask you to cast a second vote after you've heard what everybody has to say. And here at Intelligence Squared, we name as the winner of the debate the team whose numbers go up the most in percentage point terms between the first and the second vote. The first vote, it's right now. And here's what we want you to do. Please go to iq2us.org. That's iq2us.org in a web browser. That will take you to a multiple choice field where you will tell us whether you are for, against, or undecided on the statement that Amazon is good for small business. All right, so take a look at that. I'm going to give you one more, two more seconds to get that first vote in. And just one more thing. We're going to be keeping this vote open for the next seven days to give a broader audience a chance to watch and decide, and then we will be announcing the winner. Terrific. All right. It is now time to meet your debaters. Arguing for the motion, Amazon is good for small business, former Amazon executive and leading tech and e-commerce entrepreneur Kunal Chopra, his partner, Mark Jameson, an economist with American Enterprise Institute, who served on the Federal Communications Commission transition team for President-elect Trump. Opposing them, Rana Farorhar, global business columnist for the Financial Times and author of Don't Be Evil, The Case Against Big Tech. Her partner, Stacy Mitchell, co-director of the Institute for Local Self-Reliance and a leading strategist working on issues related to Amazon, e-commerce, and small business in America today. All right, and now here we all are together, our four debaters. I want to thank you at the very beginning for joining us for this Intelligence Squared debate. Thanks. Great to be here. Thank you for having us. Honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much, John. It's a pleasure to have all of you. Well, let's get started with round one. And round one is comprised of opening statements from each debater in turn. Those statements will be four minutes each. Our motion again is Amazon is good for small business. And first up to make an argument in support of that motion, Kunal Chopra. The screen is all yours. Thank you, John. Amazon is not only good for small business, but great for small business. And today, I'm going to give everyone four primary reasons as to why. Well, reason number one, small business customers are shopping on Amazon. And regardless of size, every business can access these customers. 74% of US customers begin their product search on Amazon. Amazon has become a product research and brand building tool more than it is just a shopping destination. These are small business customers who continue to flock on Amazon. 
Amazon has access to 150 million paid Prime members who are extremely engaged shoppers and Amazon continues to pour millions to acquire new Prime members. As the penetration of online retail continues through Amazon and other channels globally, it is prudent that small businesses take advantage of this new digital age and Amazon provides small businesses with a win. Reason number two, Amazon presents a global opportunity. For the first time in history, a small store at the corner of the street or an entrepreneur from home can access a global audience and infrastructure that can support global scale. Entrepreneurs for the first time in history can focus on what they do best, which is build products to serve their customers. And now they have the backing of an extremely cost-efficient global infrastructure in Amazon to support them. Amazon shoulders the task of managing your website, processing payments, storing inventory, picking, packing, shipping items to fulfill orders. You know, some small businesses may not want to or able to do any of those or even afford to do any of those, not to mention access to new markets globally that they just couldn't do on their own. Reason number three, Amazon levels the playing field for all. Amazon has de democratized retail. Think about your local mall where most people shop. How many small businesses do you think can afford stores there? Most of that coveted space has really gone to big name brands that can afford the rent. We tend to focus on Amazon as a business instead of focusing on Amazon as a platform. Think of Amazon as a digital mall, the new digital mall, but this time with millions of customers and has space for all. For the first time in history, small businesses can compete in space on the same platform as some of the biggest brands in the world. And then finally, reason number four, the world is going digital. Amazon gives you the opportunity for diversification and for small businesses to build an online capability in their business. If there was one big shift that happened during the pandemic, it was the shift to digital. The pandemic showed us that businesses can suffer to have all their eggs in one basket. And that diversification is key to success. Restaurants were shut down, small businesses struggled, but those who shifted online survived. Those who pivoted their businesses and their business models survived. Amazon provides businesses with that diversification model. It's not an all or nothing argument, my friends. The world is moving online. Consumers are shopping on Amazon, on Walmart, researching on social media, engaging in online communities, looking for reviews online, etc., etc. We live in a connected world where consumers are omnipresent online and physically. Amazon allows small businesses to build a digital capability in their operation. So friends, today I appeal to you to join Mark and me to vote on behalf of Amazon being good for small business as we enable our small businesses for this new world which demands digital capabilities, which gives small businesses access to a global audience and levels the playing field for all. We owe it to our small businesses. Thank you. Thank you, Kanal Chopra. Our next debater will be speaking against the resolution, Stacey Mitchell. The screen is now yours. Thank you. It's, uh, it's lovely to be part of this conversation. Amazon has cornered the online market. Maybe later we'll have a chance to talk about the predatory tactics it's used to do that. But for, for now, let me offer two data points. First, in 15 of 23 major product categories, Amazon captures more than 70% of online transactions. And second, and, and many of you in the audience will relate to this, more than two-thirds of Americans, when they want to buy something online, no longer go to a search engine where they might type in toy truck and that might lead them to a local toy store. Instead, they start their search right on Amazon. This means that if you're a small business and you make or sell anything and you want to reach the online market, and indeed these days you have to reach the online market, you have two options and they're both bad. You can continue to hang you can continue to sell on your own website, but that's basically like hanging your shingle out on a dirt road that no one is walking down. Or you can become a seller on Amazon. But if you sell on Amazon, you'll be handing over the fate of your business, your livelihood to your biggest, most aggressive enemy, an enemy that has every intention of eating your lunch. One risk is that you'll wake up one day and find that Amazon has copied your best-selling product and put its own version at the top of the search results. This has happened to countless small companies. It happened to a company called Fordham in Brooklyn, a firm that designed a very popular organizer for people's car trunks. As the Wall Street Journal reported, Amazon employees spent months spying on Fordham, gathering detailed data on its costs and customers, and then Amazon unveiled a nearly identical product. 
Another risk is that Amazon's algorithms will suddenly deactivate your account for no reason, causing your sales to evaporate. When this happens, you will spend weeks desperately emailing Amazon's automated system. All the while, you'll be losing money and risking bankruptcy. Even if you somehow avoid these fates, what you won't be able to avoid are Amazon's steep fees. For small businesses, Amazon is a toll booth, a monopoly toll booth. It's sitting between them and their customers. Seven years ago, for every $100 in sales uh, a business made on Amazon's site, Amazon took an average of $19 in fees. Today, that's up to $34. Amazon has us by the throat, said Steve, an entrepreneur in Arizona who, uh, who, whose company designs hoodies and t-shirts. He's tried to build up sales on other sites to reduce his dependence on Amazon, but to no avail. One barrier he's faced is that under Amazon's pricing policy, if its automated bots detect that he's offering a lower price on another platform, it'll penalize him by demoting him in the search results and tanking his sales. Steve asked me not to use his last name uh, out of fear. Amazon, he correctly notes, has a long history of retaliating against small businesses that dare to push back. The internet, once, the internet once opened vast new avenues for small businesses to succeed, but because of the failures of US antitrust policy, those avenues have been cut off by Amazon's stranglehold. As you think about how to vote on this resolution, I hope you'll consider what small business owners themselves have to say. In 2019, my organization surveyed over 500 independent retail businesses nationally. 75% ranked Amazon as the top threat to their survival. With that, I ask you to please vote no on the resolution. You've been listening to Intelligence Squared US. I'm John Donvan. This is a reminder to all of you that Intelligence Squared US is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization. Our mission is to restore critical thinking and facts and reason and civility to American public discourse. We would love your support. Please visit www.intelligencesquaredus.org to join the debate and hear from both sides of every issue. More debate when we return. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Welcome back to Intelligence Squared U.S. Let's get back to our debate. Thank you, Stacey Mitchell. So you have now heard the first two opening statements, and now we go on to the third coming up on the screen and speaking in support of the motion. Amazon is good for small business. Mark Jameson. Mark, the screen is yours. Uh, just picture yourself, let's say about 20 years ago, trying to start a small business and think of the, the steps you would you'd be going through, the things you'd be experiencing. You would spend a lot of time trying to find some commercial property, going to real estate agents, business offices, looking at different properties. And that rent would be escalating faster than, than your revenue in many instances. You could get lawyers involved, et cetera. You'd have to figure out exactly what your customers are. And most of them would come from your local area. And all you would ever know about those customers is that few moments of experience that you have with them. You would have to figure out your advertising, write ads, um, work with local newspapers, maybe if you're big enough with local uh, local radios or something like that. And because all of that takes time, you'd also be worried about financing that business because you're going to start spending money long before you ever see any revenues. But look at what it's like today. 
Today, you can start a business maybe from your couch, maybe from your, your kitchen table. In fact, a lot of people are. When you're starting your business that way, you can use Spotify to help develop your website. You can use services like Etsy, Amazon, eBay, others as well to help market your products, help deliver them sometimes, uh, help with the transactions. You don't need all that, that cash flow. You learn a lot about your customers from this because if you're advertising using Facebook, Google, others as well, you, you get to understand. You know those customers before they ever arrive to your door, if you will. And a lot of that is because of Amazon. Amazon has led the way in creating that opportunity and, and still does lead that way. We know that because if you look at surveys, now different surveys give different answers, but this tends to be about right, that about 24%, almost 25% of all small businesses use Amazon. That's pretty close to how many use eBay. eBay serves about the same number of small, medium-sized businesses, but Amazon has created a different environment than eBay. So a lot of people find for different types of products, Amazon to be more valuable. Some prefer eBay, some use both. In fact, small and medium-sized businesses tend to use about five channels for their marketing and sales. So Amazon has created opportunities. It's open doors for small businesses that did not exist before. And it continues to do that. But it's not the only one. And like I said, it's, it's stimulated a lot of people and different businesses, different small businesses are taking advantage of those. So when you hear things about the, the threat that people feel from Amazon, if you read behind the headlines and actually dig into the data, you'll find that most of those aren't using Amazon. They're afraid of e-commerce, really, not just Amazon. They say Amazon because it's one of the largest. But it's really that e-commerce is about the future. And I hope that as you think about how you're going to vote on is Amazon good or not for small business, that you take in mind that's an important part of a small business future. Thank you very much, Mark Jamison. And our final opening statement, it is against the motion, comes from Rana Farahar. Rana, the screen is yours. I think Amazon is bad for small business for three reasons. First and foremost, it upends the rules of normal capitalism, fair and free markets. If you go back to Adam Smith, the father of modern capitalism, he would have said that you need three things in order to have a fully functioning proper market. One is equal access to information on both sides. Second is a shared understanding of the transaction that's being made. And three is a common moral framework. You have none of those things when you are a small business dealing with Amazon. That creates information asymmetry, and that's a problem for markets. They simply don't function fairly and efficient, efficiently by the, the rules of, of economics and, and capitalism when those things are in effect. Um, now, one of the things that Amazon and other monopolists will argue is that they're lowering prices. They're making things cheaper and easier. The problem is that we have had for several years monopoly laws that look at only pricing as a measure of consumer success. But when you look at the way in which Amazon does business, you're not talking about prices. You're talking about information barter. They have all the information, the small businesses doing business with them both customers and competitors have far less. That's a barter transaction. It's not clear, it's not fair. Now, monopoly power is something that you have to consider very carefully when you look at the nefarious effects of Amazon. Lots of economic research shows that when you get companies like Amazon, five companies in our economy today, including Amazon, that own about half of the entire stock market, that's a big problem, not just for small business, but for the economy as a whole. A raft of economic research shows that growth is slower. And in fact, despite um, what Mark said earlier, new business formation has been slower itself over the 25 years or so in which Amazon and other platform behemoths have grown. So this is bad for the economy. Why is that? The math doesn't work. When you have a handful of companies owning most of the American, increasingly the global economy, 
you simply can't grow. Um, we are an economy in the US based on consumer spending. When you have a few number of companies owning all the wealth, creating far fewer jobs than ever before, the math of growth stops working. And that's the real problem here. Now, there is a historical precedent for what to do when companies like Amazon come in with admittedly very interesting and great new technology and disrupt the market. We have a history of this. Typically, a new breakthrough technology like the internet and like some of the, the technologies, including retail platforms like Amazon that are commercialized on it, lead to monopoly power. But when that happens, they are regulated in the public interest. Go back to the 19th century railroads. American government lays the foundation, private sector comes in and commercializes, you get giant monopolies. Uh, uh, they're eventually regulated. And in fact, this is exactly what Louis Brandeis, uh, the Supreme, famous Supreme Court judge, did with the railroad barons. He put them into uh, a proper form. He broke them up and he allowed these products to be used in such a way that people that create them can still be rich and everybody else can thrive as well. That's traditionally what happened, happened in railroads, happened in telecoms. It needs to happen now. At, with Amazon and with, with other platforms. And final point, Amazon is a surveillance capitalist, all right? That means that they have the data, you do not. They know way more about you than you know about them. Again, going back to these points about free and fair markets, when everybody has all the, one person has all the information and the other party doesn't, you can't have a free and fair market. Therefore, I would urge you to vote no. Amazon is not good for small business. Thanks very much, Rana Farahar. And that concludes round one of our Intelligence Squared U.S. debate, where the resolution is Amazon is good for small business. Now we move on to round two. And round two is where the debaters take questions from me and from uh, also from one another. They can challenge and question one another. And um, what I want to look at is, I, as I hear in the opening statements, what, we, what we're hearing is a sort of the argument that Amazon is really, really, really good at some things and the things that it's good at are having negative consequences, it is argued by one side, uh, for small business. The, 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 the good things that we've heard laid out is that Amazon has makes provides an opportunity to small businesses on a global scale as never before to reach a global audience that it could that those businesses could never have reached before uh, supported by a platform that has the expertise and the tools that those businesses need to reach those audiences and in the best of all circumstances thrive the argument against is that Amazon is so good at all of those things that it becomes the only game in town or nearly the only game in town uh, that it's effectively monopolistic and that it um, can be fickle bordering on malevolent and how it sometimes deals with those small businesses who in a certain sense are their customers, but uh, the opponents of the motion are saying also become their competition. So I want to dig into a lot of that, but I want to bring to you, Kanal, the one of the more interesting things I heard in the opening statement from both of your opponents is this notion that Amazon's possession of information that it does not share uh that is proprietary and, and is not shared is a, is a dangerous and harmful thing. And um, we would love to hear you take on that question, especially since you have worked inside that company. And I'm sure you've heard that criticism before. And I think it's one of the more powerful points that your opponents is going to be bringing today. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to just say that we tend to focus a lot on Amazon as a business and less about Amazon as a platform. Think about Amazon really as a digital mall. You know, how much access do you have if you're a store owner in a mall to information? But that mall owner who has access to all the stores, knows traffic data that's coming in and out of the mall, can share that information with the different store owners and use that to better products and services, maybe give some information to the store owners on how they should be thinking about what's next, what products and what kind of consumers are walking into the mall. So Amazon is collecting information to be able to build the platform for the future to serve small businesses better. So Stacey, what I, what I hear Kunal saying is, yes, they're gathering information. They're doing it for the benefit of not only of Amazon, but for the small businesses who would be using its platform. What's your response to that? You know, the difference, I mean, you know, with a mall owner, they are not tracking every customer that walks through your door, which products they're touching, which products they're putting back, uh, all of your sales. They're not tracking your cost structure. They're not tracking everything. Amazon has a kind of godlike view of what is happening across a huge swath of the economy. And that is an incredibly powerful position to be in because it means that Amazon can pick off selective areas where it can make a profit 
And then it can let other businesses pick up the rest, but effectively take a big cut of their revenue through the fees that it charges. So Amazon wins coming and going, and small businesses that are on its platform are barely hanging on, and many are in fact failing. Mark, you want to jump into the conversation? Yeah. Information asymmetry has been around for a long time. We've had four Nobel Prizes in economics dealing with with four people who specialize in that particular area. What I think is important to to keep in mind here is when we talk about these businesses that feel that that Amazon is damaging them, those are largely the ones, if you dig into the data, that aren't on Amazon. And that's probably true. Amazon probably is a a real challenge for them because it's helping their rivals sell products. But those rivals that are selling on Amazon also are selling other ways. On average, businesses are using about five different channels, many of which are electronic. There's Walmart, there's Target, there's eBay, there's many others. The customers who are saying, I want to use Amazon are doing so because Amazon is one of the very good choices that they choose to make. Rana? Yeah, I'll just say, um, first of all, um, to Mark's point about Adam Smith, he wrote not just one book, but several books. And if anybody's interested in exactly what he said about markets, they should look at my first book, Makers and Takers, which has his comments footnoted. And it's all about the kind of asymmetries that we've been talking about in this case in the financial markets. But, you know, I want to bring in the financial markets to one of um, Kanal's points. He talks about how we think too much about Amazon as a business and should really think about it more as a platform, which is quite an interesting argument because some of the regulators that would like to break up Amazon and put it into its proper position as a public utility would say, you're right, it's both a business and a platform. And in other markets, that's not allowed. Let's look at the financial market, for example. Some of our audience might remember that a few years ago, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, and a bunch of other banks Um, came in for some trouble from the Federal Reserve and some other regulators because they were both owning commodities like aluminum, for example, in some cases, so many hordes of it that they actually had to throw tarps over it uh, in order to avoid uh, confusing air traffic control and trading in that market, owning and trading, being in the market as a customer and owning the platform on which the trading happens, not allowed not allowed in the financial markets, but because regulators haven't yet gotten out in front of this problem of monopolists and surveillance capitalism, it is allowed in these markets. But guess what? Not for much longer, because we are already on both sides of the Atlantic in the process of putting these companies in their proper place and helping them to abide by the rules of the old line existing uh, industries. Kunal, you, you were hearing from Rana that it is a problem that Amazon is both a platform and, frankly, a retailer, that those two things are an, have an inherent conflict of interest. And I want you to take that point on. Yeah. So one thing you, may, you must realize, and especially me being you know, from Amazon, I can tell you right now that Amazon's platform teams operate very differently from their business teams. So if you have Amazon retail, which is one business that is working with certain brands, acquiring inventory, it is utilizing the Amazon platform to be able to sell its products and or services. There is no information shared between the two. Amazon might have another private label building. You're, you're telling us they really don't talk to each other? There is a wall, a Chinese wall of sorts across the different companies within. No, no, there's a major Reuters investigation, major Reuters investigation that just came out a few weeks ago, documents from internal Amazon documents that the people on on the retail side, the Amazon product side, are going through all of that data from third-party sellers, mining it for their own insights, and then creating products and insights to move into new markets with a built-in advantage. That is well-established, not only by Reuters, but the Wall Street Journal and by a major congressional investigation. Well, there's a challenge, though. I've not read the Reuters study, but the Wall Street Journal study, the headline is very different than what the study actually says. The headline says, yes, they're sharing information. But you read the actual article, it is saying that those were rogue employees, some of which had already left Amazon, and Amazon was investigating and doing some disciplinary action. That's what the article said. 
No, I, you know, I, I think that that's not at all the case. There's an extensive reporting out there. And I think, you know, Jeff Bezos is someone who has controlled this company with an incredibly, you know, minute attention to detail. The idea that there are rogue employees carrying this out and carrying it out at the scale that we can that's see. That's what the article said. Um, is just really not at all true. Let me, let, let, me, let me break in since we have, since we have a disagreement about, about what the facts are. I, w- I want to sort of stick with the principle just for a moment. And I know at this point, Mark, you might consider it hypothetical, mm-hmm. but would the problem that Rana is raising be a problem, the issue of Amazon being both the platform for retailers and a retailer itself? Not if, unless it is representing itself as, as having the Chinese wall. If a company is saying, I'm not gathering data on you, I'm not going to compete with you, and then turn around and does it, we have laws in place that can deal with that. Those are frauds, breach of con- breaching contracts, what have you. But I think what's important to remember is that in the platform business, you build the platform to attract people. The more profitable you can make that, the better that platform gets. So let's step away from Amazon, just look at Google. If we said, Google, you can't sell products when people search for them, that lowers the profitability of search, which means they invest less than search. So the platform value is in part determined by that vertical integration. And that's one of the things that has set these tech companies apart from some of their rivals. Stacey, go ahead. Amazon is now, you know, the the volume of revenue that Amazon is taking from third-party sellers is double the revenue that it gets from AWS. It's huge uh, cloud computing division. Uh, It's going to take in about $120 billion in seller fees this year. Um, Just extraordinary amount of money. And what Amazon is doing with that revenue is it's funding a bunch of loss leader strategies to control the market. And it's funding a bunch of loss leading expansion to control other industries. I mean, this is a monopoly. You create a gate. You demand fees in order to get through that gate and you use that money to entrench your own market power and to ensure that there are no competitors that can come after you. I mean, this is, you know, the future that this creates for small business is a, is a pretty grim future. And we, and we already see it in the data. I mean, small businesses are in decline. I mean, we have to you know, reckon with that reality as part of this conversation. That's just, that's just not true because, you know, the fact that third party sales on Amazon continues to increase and it captures more of that market share on Amazon just shows that small businesses are getting more and more successful on Amazon. Look, only about 800 sellers or so drive the top 10% of volume. The top 10% of volume is only driven by the top 800 sellers on the platform. The remaining 350,000 sellers on the platform drive 90% of the volume. There are 6 million active sellers on the Amazon platform right now. Guess who those folks are? They're small businesses. To Mark's point earlier, these businesses need the Amazon platform to give them a platform to be able to scale globally, to start their businesses, and to take away all the extra costs that come on initially to be able to go and scale. So actually, Amazon is good to, 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 to Stacey's argument here around helping small businesses. We should continue to drive those third-party sales up. I'm John Donvan. This is Intelligence Squared U.S. More when we return. Welcome back to Intelligence Squared U.S. I'm John Donvan. Let's get back to our debate. So let me let me rephrase a little bit and, and shift the conversation slightly because we've been t- focusing on the on the against side's arguments about what's wrong with Amazon. The, so to the against side, to, to Rana and Stacy, your opponents have been arguing that Amazon is Amazon is letting these businesses reach audiences that they never would have before. That that would not have been possible. Of course, yes, uh, conceding uh, uh, or, or the the point is made, which I think you would concede that there are other platforms like eBay as well. They might be challenging your notion that it's monopolistic. But what they would stick by, I think, is the argument that, you know, somebody with a business in Idaho can start selling things in Romania, thanks to Amazon, is a really, really big deal. And that the expertise will be there and that parts of the business that these small companies could not handle themselves will be taken care of for themselves. Is that not a good thing? Is that not good in itself? If you if you were to set aside the negatives you've brought in, is there a way that that could be a good thing? So again, I think we're confusing Amazon, the company, with the process of dissemination of a, of a disruptive new technology. And I think it's really important to go back again and learn from history. How does new technology spread growth? Typically what happens is the governments set some kind of standard around a new disruptive technology. The railroad is a great example. You say... The government, all right, we're going to have a narrow gauge rail. 
We're going to open up the West, go out in private companies and, and make these railroads. And then you've got various private companies, the sort of Bezoses and Musks of their, of their time, um, rolling out the railroads. And that's great. This is all part of the process of capitalism. But inevitably, when you have technologies like railroads or like the Internet that lend themselves to being natural monopolies, and anybody that disputes that can go back and read Hal Varian's book, Information Rules. Hal Varian is the chief economist of Google. He literally wrote the book on why platform technology is a monopoly and why the monopolists are happy about that. That's exactly why they wanted to grow these businesses. They get big, they own the territory, then they get too big in such a way that they are able to um, discriminate against customers and consumers alike, that they're able to buy off politicians. At that point, they become a detriment to both economic growth and society, and regulators bring them to heel and turn them into um, much more tightly regulated, and in some cases, public utilities. That's what we should do with Amazon right now. Kanal and, and Mark, uh, um, Rana, Rana has just reiterated her point, which she summed up in her opening statement, that Amazon upends the normal rules of capitalism, I believe is how she put it. How do either of you respond to that? Well, it's it's not true. Um, it does disrupt how things have been done, but not the rules of, of capitalism at all. Uh, if you want to think about what the history really is, the government did not set standards on most of our innovations. It didn't get into determining what rail gauges were until after most of the railroads had been, or a lot of the railroads had been built. It did not set the standards for internet. It did not set the standards for telecommunications. It did not set the standards for- It invented the internet. (laughs) uh, No, 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 no. Much of the work was done in the UK and Europe. Um, That is not true, what you just said. And, oh my God. and what you talked about, the development of railroads was wrong as, as, as well. Stacey? Mirana is right. We have a, you know, Amazon seems like this new thing, but we have a history of this, and the railroads are a perfect example. Well, Stacey, can, 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 I, can yeah. I break in for a second? Because Mark made the point in the beginning that Amazon is not the only game in town, that there is eBay, that there's mm-hmm. Etsy, that there are other ways to sell. And so they're challenging your presentation of a sort of monopolistic nature to mm-hmm. Amazon. I, I wanted to ask you to take that on. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Many businesses uh, that I've interviewed were doing sales on their own website before Amazon really became the first place that people started going when they wanted to search for something. And that was a a function of Prime. You know, Amazon has used Prime. They sell it at a loss uh, in order to sign people up. Um, Amazon loses a ton of money on Prime, um, but they know that once they get you to pay that fee, your natural inclination is to try to maximize the value you get out of it. And so you kind of want to go to Amazon to shop for everything because then you get more free shipping. It's a basic psychology. And as Amazon grew the number of Prime members, many independent businesses that were doing good business on their own websites um, suddenly found that their traffic dropped right off and they had to make this terrible choice about whether to sell on Amazon with all of the problems that that come with it. Um, The idea that there are competing platforms, uh, you know, that are an option is just really not true. Those other platforms do a trickle of the business and try as they might. I mean, believe me, small businesses would love to diversify to other places. But try as they might, they cannot do that. Amazon is so dominant in control of that traffic that they are that they are really stuck. Not true. Sixty percent of online traffic on marketplaces goes through Amazon. Forty percent goes through other marketplaces. So that's almost a good fifty-fifty, close to a fifty-fifty percent split on where other opportunities exist for different small businesses to sell as well. To the point on acquiring customers using Prime, that is exactly the point of any good business is to acquire customers and then engage them, serve them. Guess what? Those are small business customers. What Amazon is spending on Prime, it is to serve the business, the brand on the other side to help them get more sales. The sales eventually get passed on to the to the brand and Amazon keeps a small fee in the middle. Kanal, I just, you know, I, I, I you know, you're, you run a company that advises sellers on how to navigate navigate platforms. And when I, you know, read your website, you know, 90% of your blog posts are about Amazon because 90% of, of what sellers are dealing with is Amazon. They are so dominant. You say, you know, in regard to Amazon's own listing of its own products, the house always wins. I mean, this is this is true. You know, the advice that you're that you're giving really speaks to the power that Amazon has. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So just to be very specific on what Caspian does, 
we position ourselves as a one-stop shop marketplace growth platform, not an Amazon growth platform. And we do sell on Walmart, on eBay, on Target, on Kroger, and we have a long lineup of international as well as other marketplaces that we plan to help our brand sell on. So yes, we started off as an Amazon shop, but as the world continues to evolve to be more omnipresent and omnichannel, we continue to serve our brands there because we know that that's the future. Kunal, I, I don't think that Stacy was challenging in any way the integrity of the operation of the company. She was just saying that 90% of it is about Amazon. T today, yes, at some level, right? Like, and again, I want to, I want to be very clear on the, on, on the point made. We, at, at we, 90% of our business goes through Amazon. But if you look at the data, 60% is only driven through Amazon today. 40% is driven through these other marketplaces. Okay, Rana, you were very patient and waiting to jump in, so come for, come come on in. Okay, I, well, I was just struck by Stacy's reading from the comments um, and having people say things like, the house always wins or the house always rules. Um, this is exactly the kind of language that antitrust regulators look for when they're deciding whether a company is a monopoly or not, when they use language like that to describe their behaviors. One of the things, and I'm literally talking to regulators that are working on these cases, you know, as we speak in my capacity as a journalist, one of the things they're looking for is behavior that couldn't have been done unless the company had a monopoly. And let's go back a few years and just recount one of the more famous incidents um, when Hachette, a big uh, big publisher, was brave enough to take on Amazon over book pricing. Um, and Amazon has completely transformed and crushed much, much of the book industry, certainly a lot of the small independent publishers. Um, Amazon overnight took their books off of prime placement and essentially cost them millions of dollars in sales. This is well documented and it's not alone. If you go and look at uh, the current FTC chairman, Lena Khan's um, very famous paper on Amazon called the Amazon Antitrust Paradox. Lots of examples of this kind of behavior. This is what monopoly behavior is legally defined as. It's not good for small business. It's not good for any business. All right. That concludes round two of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate, where our resolution is Amazon is good for small business. Now, we move on to round three, and round three is comprised of brief closing statements from each debater, in turn, their last chance to try to persuade you to vote for their side, because remember, after this round, you will be asked to vote for a second time, and your votes will determine our winner. So, round three, closing statements on the resolution, Amazon is good for business. Our first speaker is Kunal Chopra. Great. Well, thank you, John. Friends, earlier I gave you four reasons as why you should support Amazon for small business, and I'm going to take a moment now to highlight those for you. Reason number one, small business customers are shopping on Amazon and regardless of size, small businesses can access these customers. 150 million prime members and growing 74% of US shoppers researching on Amazon. It's a brand building tool as well. Reason number two, Amazon presents a global opportunity. You can be the smallest of businesses and now you can sell with a click of a few buttons to a global audience. Reason number three, Amazon levels the playing field for all. For the first time in history, you can share digital mall space with some of the biggest brands in the world. And reason number four, the world is going digital. Amazon gives you the opportunity for diversification, building an online capability in your business, once you start on Amazon, you can add other channels like eBay, Walmart, your own website, and manage your customers across this entire digital spectrum. So I'm going to really end today by telling you a little story. Look, the pandemic was rough on many, especially for the restaurant industry. Many restaurants just had to shut down completely. Uh, this affected many other businesses as well, those who were suppliers to restaurants. And there was one such company in Spokane, Washington, where my company is, where they would sell spices to restaurants and overnight really found their business in trouble. They were selling directly to chefs in a wholesale-like model. Sales just vanished and were because of the shutdown of the restaurant industry. And guess what? This business decided to pivot. They said, we're going to expand online. We're going to start selling directly to the consumer. We're going to use Amazon. And then we're going to also set up our own website to start driving sales. Sales started picking up and today they are thriving. This direct-to-consumer model now supports 80% of their revenue and growing at 100% year over year. So if it wasn't for Amazon, we would only see this company flounder as many others did. And ones who didn't pivot, who didn't diversify, who didn't have the capability to sell on Amazon would probably fail. So I'd encourage you today to vote that Amazon is good for small business. As with COVID, Amazon can be a critical lifeline for small businesses when the next crisis or pandemic hits. Thank you, John.
Thank you, Kanal. And our next closing statement is against the resolution. Here again is Stacy Mitchell. I believe that anyone who wants to start a business should be able it should be able to succeed on their own merit. That their ability to apply their trade should not be subject to the whims and dictates of a company with outsized market power. As I was preparing for this debate, I thought about businesses like Gazelle Sports, a running retailer in Michigan that I wrote about in 2018. Gazelle Sports is incredibly popular and award-winning. It has over 100 employees and five locations. It's deeply involved in the local running community, organizing races and workshops. Up until about 2014, Gazelle Sports was doing a brisk business on its own website. As its customers had moved online, it had been there to meet them. But in 2018, Amazon's growing dominance had created a deeply uncertain future. Traffic on its own website had fallen, and selling on Amazon had proved to be a no-win situation. I also thought about top-shelf brands, uh, a startup uh, in Michigan founded by a former barber and an online company selling hair care products. In 2018, with $23 million in sales and nearly 50 employees, Top Shelf appeared on Inc. Magazine's list of America's fastest growing and pr private companies. But Amazon's increasing fees, its shifting rules soon pulled the rug out. This year, Top Shelf filed for bankruptcy. By voting no on this resolution, you will not only be standing up for the independent small businesses, you'll also be standing up for all that they represent. Our values of liberty and democracy, the idea that we are a free people, that we create and govern our own markets, and that we are subject to no master. Thank you. Thank you very much, Stacy. And our next debater will be speaking in support of the resolution that Amazon is good for small business. Here again is Mark Jamison. I'll take you back to a, a woman named Morgan. I won't go into her last name. So Morgan grew up in a trailer park. She waited tables. Um, just, that's about the age of 13, she started picking up pieces from, uh, from yard sales and selling them on eBay, making a little money that way. And then she came across a YouTube video about how to do things on Amazon. She watched this video and she watched a few others. She went on to Amazon's website and used all the, the business development tools that Amazon had there. And then within a year and a half, she had made $750,000 in revenue. That's half a million dollars of revenue a year. That's quite a job. That was 2018. By now, she has $4.5 million of revenue working on Amazon. That's quite a story. If we want more Morgans, if we want you to be a Morgan, then we need to vote. Yes, Amazon can be really good for small businesses. It's, it's not for everyone. That is certainly true. But we do know that people who use Amazon are hiring employees at four times the rate of comparable businesses that are not using Amazon. We know that if you follow that path of high regulations, that that favors the large businesses. That's what's killing off small businesses, not the large ones. It's the amount of regulation. The studies have, have pretty conclusively shown that. So vote that we want Amazon to be an opportunity. Otherwise, the world will be pretty much using eBay or Walmart or maybe a Target. But primarily eBay. Thank you very much, Mark. Finally, making a closing statement against the resolution, Amazon is good for small business. Here is Rana Farohar. Well, thanks so much. Thanks to all the brave panelists and thanks to everybody for listening to both sides. Um, let me just say, you know, capitalism is great. It's disruptive. We have seen the cycle that Amazon presents again and again. Companies come in, they do great things, then they get too big, then governments break them up, and it leaves room for the next generation of innovators. There probably wouldn't have been a Google in the form that there is now if Microsoft hadn't been curbed. If telephony hadn't have been broken up, we wouldn't have got mobile phones as fast as we do. If railroads hadn't have been broken up and railroad barons hadn't have been curbed, we wouldn't have gotten better pricing and more myriad different kinds of businesses uh, than we had previously. So what we're going through now is just the latest iteration of history. Um, governments started the internet, taxpayers funded it. Big companies came in and commercialized it with cool new things. When they got too big and they gave a headwind to other businesses, it was time to regulate them and curb them. And that's what needs to happen to Amazon today. It does great things as a platform. It can do awesome things as a retailer, but it shouldn't be allowed to do both. 
No other businesses in any other industry and Amazon is not special. Okay, so I hope that you will vote with Stacey and I that no, Amazon is not good for small business. Thanks very much, Rana. And that concludes round three. All right, everybody, it is now time for our second and final and deciding vote. Remember, it's the side that sways the most minds between the first and the second vote that has declared our winner. Second vote is the same as before. Go back to iq2us.org. You're going to have the same choices for, against, or undecided. And as I mentioned earlier, we are keeping this vote open for the next seven days. And at the end of those seven days, we will be announcing the winner on our website, iq2us.org. So that is it for the competition part of this program. This has really, really been a very interesting, well-argued debate. Uh, We love the topic. It's something that touches on all of us, whether we're in business or whether we're customers of Amazon. So many of us, I guess, are prime. um, And um, we we have a stake in it one way or the other. The way that our debaters came to this, uh, so well-prepared, having given so much thought to this, showing so much respect for one another, uh, that's what Intelligence Squared is all about. So I just want to thank all of you, Kanal, Mark, Stacey, and Rana, for bringing an excellent debate to our program at Intelligence Squared. Thank you so much. Thank you, John, and thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you so much. Great to be here. And I want to thank you, our audience, for tuning in. We do appreciate your support and your commitment to good discourse, to good debate. That's what we work out at Intelligence Squared. Um, We are, as I say at the end of every debate, a philanthropy. We put these debates on and put them out to the world for free. We would deeply appreciate your support if you like what we do by going to our website, iq2us.org, where you will find ways to support us. Thanks so much to, again, all of you for taking part in this debate and to all of you who are watching the debate. I want to thank you, our audience, for tuning into this episode of Intelligence Squared. I hope that you enjoyed it just as much as we did. Intelligence Squared is a nonprofit generously funded by listeners like you and by the Rosencrantz Foundation. Claire Connor is our CEO. David Ariosto is head of editorial. Amy Kraft is chief of staff and leads production. And Shay O'Mara is our consulting producer. Damon Whittemore is our radio producer. Robert Rosencrantz is our chairman. And I'm your host, John Donvan. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.